1: Glad you're with us this afternoon as we broadcast from Nashville, Tennessee. Sixth and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. The crew is all here, and we are recapping the NFL weekend. Wildcard weekend playoff game, still one to go. And uh, we will hit on some games that we haven't discussed just yet. And then recap some of the bigger headlines of the weekend with John McClain. We say hello to John, who joins us from Houston, Texas. He's with TexasSportsNation.com, Cron.com, and has been covering the NFL for nearly five decades. He's been with us for over a decade now, and he's one of the very best to do it. He's joining us a day early because he and PK will be uh, unavailable tomorrow because they'll be in a big meeting to discuss the latest class and the selection of the Pro Football Hall of Fame that will be uh, inducted this August. John, hope you're doing well, and uh, happy Monday to you.
2: Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for having me on today early.
1: Absolutely. We, we appreciate you coming on. Um, let's start with tonight's game. Uh, matchup between the Cardinals, who are 8-1 and one on the road this season, going on the road against their divisional opponent. They split during the regular season, and the Rams have been playing well. Stafford's been very up and down, but they've been winning games. What do you make of the final wildcard weekend matchup?
2: First of all, Jonathan, I think this weekend's been great. We got blowouts because there are teams that didn't really deserve to be in there, and we shouldn't have expected the games to be close. Philadelphia 06 against playoff teams beat one team with a winning record. So that shouldn't have been a surprise. But that's why the divisional round is traditionally the best round because that's when you get all the best teams. And Rams, there's no coach to me and no player under more pressure. Then Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford. Stafford, 3 in the playoffs with Detroit. They always said, well, the Lions are awful. He doesn't have players around him. So now he does. And then Sean McVay, who traded all those number one picks to load up with veteran players like Matthew Stafford. Uh, This game's a lot of pressure on him. Kyler Murray also trying to win his first playoff game. They're going to get a big boost with J.J. Watt coming back. Don't know how much he'll be able to play. But that's what happened to him here three years ago when he had blown out a pack and he came back for the playoffs, played off the bench in passing situations, and they beat Buffalo and then blew a 24-point lead at Kansas City. So I think it's going to be fun. I like third games between teams. You know, not all of them are like the Titans were in 99 when they beat the Jaguars three times to get to the Super Bowl. But I'll tell you what, I do not see the Cardinals going to SoFi Stadium and beating the Rams a second time this season. I don't care what their record was. I'm going with the Rams.
3: John, two late scores for Philadelphia makes that final score look better than the game actually was. It was 31-0 at one point with Tampa. And once again, Tom Brady on offense loses some guys, and it's no problem against the Eagles. How big would getting Leonard Fournette back in the backfield be for Tampa now moving forward?
2: But well, he'd be well rested, that's for sure, just like Derrick Henry's going to be well rested. And sometimes when you have running backs and they've been taking a pounding all season, and then all of a sudden they're playing an extra regular season game, and then they got playoff games if you're a wild card team. So having a back come back and and having a few weeks to rest, I think it's paramount. I think it'll help their balance, although it's just amazing to see. Tom Brady continue to do the things that he's done. And it shows to me one reason Philadelphia tried to get Deshaun Watson and he rejected the Eagles because invoking his new trade clause. They may try again, see if he's changed his mind.
0: Um, Activated for this game is one J.J. Watt. Um, who is obviously ahead of schedule to some degree to be able to return for something that most people seem to think was season-ending. Uh, you know him pretty well. What uh, what What's your expectation for a guy who's strapping himself together to get back for the playoffs?
2: I'm guessing, Paul, he's going to play in passing situations, that he's not going to just come in and pound people against the run. I was there when he suffered multiple injuries in their victory over the Texans, and everybody said, he was done. That's the same thing we said two years ago. It's hard to believe two years ago, Texans were winning division and beating Josh Allen and the Bills in the playoffs before going down the toilet, but he came back and played in passing situations and he one of the players who harassed Josh Allen into playing a poor second half that allowed the Texans to win in overtime.
1: John, I, I don't know how you feel about the the all-in concept with uh, with the Rams, but can you describe or try to put into words what pressure they may be feeling in the, inside that locker room? I know that, for instance, they're adding Weddle to their secondary now. They're facing some injuries uh, at safety. And here's Weddle, uh, fresh out of retirement, and his first performance or first uh, action will be in the playoffs against that Cardinals offense.
2: I would hope he's been working out all the time, <laughs> although you wonder why he would be at his age and the wear and tear he has on his body. But it gives him a chance to play for a playoff team, get a check, maybe go to the Super Bowl. Who knows? I'm not picking the Rams to go to the Super Bowl, just pointing out the possibility. But it's Sean McVay, and he'll never admit it, neither will Matthew Stafford, that they're under a lot of pressure because of who they are and the situation they've been put in. If you're a Rams fan right now and you think about this, this turnover streak that Stafford has had here near the end of the season, that's scary because he hasn't undergone anything like that. and Nobody really knows why it's happened. He's got good receivers. He's got the best in the league and Cooper Cup. He's got Odell Beckham Jr. And uh, he's got to play a clean game for them to beat the Cardinals and advance into the divisional round. Say they were to lose tonight, Sean McVay would get blasted in Los Angeles and around the league because... He's taken an unusual approach, taking trading all those first round picks for veteran players to try to win a Super Bowl. So far it hadn't worked, but you know what? They came close two years ago with Jared Goff, played great defense with Wade Phillips, got rid of him. So now they're they're back in the saddle and a chance to ride all the way to uh, the Super Bowl in their own stadium. Wouldn't that be weird? Out of all the decades, no team played in the home stadium. To have two in a row do it, I don't think it'll happen, but it did happen with Bugs last year. But there's nobody under the pressure, as same as McBay and Stafford.
1: Yep, yeah, and Stafford now has his shot. He's got the roster around him, both offensively and defensively. Um, he gets out of Detroit, where he was an extremely good quarterback, but we didn't mention him in the same conversation because he didn't play in the postseason. And, and now he's there with an opportunity and, and a good roster around him to make a run. And you mentioned the, the turnovers. If he can play a clean game, they'll they'll win. He's got the receivers around him. Teams that didn't turn the football over this past weekend are right now 3-0 and uh, if you had zero turnovers. That's the key for the Rams tonight because Hopkins isn't in the lineup for Murray. I think that's a big factor in this.
2: It's one reason the Cardinals have been such a disappointment over the last five games with one won Victory. You know, the Rams gotta win this game. If they don't win this game, they're gonna be like the Cowboys. An all season full of excuses and criticism. They got to win this one at home. And that's why they brought in Matthew Stafford for all those picks and and couldn't wait to get rid of Jared Goff. And they've got to come through. If they don't, Stafford and and, and McVay might as well go
0: hide together. I'm not going to let Hutton's uh, logic make this question obsolete. Jerome Boger's been in the playoffs plenty before. But I say with the seventh team in each side creating an extra game in each side, it also created extra room for Jerome Boger, uh, who should never be in a playoff game. Um, This is like
1: his third straight playoff appearance.
0: I don't understand the grading system that's putting him in the playoffs. Uh, Not enough good teams, John, and not enough good officials for these extra games that were terrible anyway. Um, why is somebody blowing a damn whistle?
2: Well, first of all, we used to hear a lot in the NFL, inadvertent whistle. That was in the 80s. And 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 once the play, once you heard the whistle, the play was dead. It used to be maddening because a lot of times it was big plays, it was touchdowns, and then it was called back. I remember covering the Oilers, and that happened to them. And I, then I don't know what happened. You didn't hear the term inadvertent whistle anymore. David Reed Reed
0: points out, John, that one of the things that happened is that guys are not supposed to have their whistle in their mouth anymore. They're supposed to have to physically take the whistle to their mouth, which creates less of an occasion to quote unquote accidentally blow it.
2: Well, first of all, they blew the play by thinking he was out of bounds. It was close. It was a fabulous play by Burrow, but, what bothered me was the way the officials in the NFL just lied about it. Yeah, and said that we didn't hear the whistle till the ball was in his hands. We all heard it initially, and and then we heard it in replay. And I'd love to sit there with the NFL people and say, "Okay, let's listen." And they just lied about it, and that makes it even worse. I'd rather them just come out and say, "Hey, they blew it." You know, it's not revealed, but They just blew it. And Woody kept a Bengals from winning the game i don't know it was a touchdown they lost by a touchdown and i feel raiders always seem to come out on the short end of controversial calls and i think it's just despicable the way the league lied about it.
3: what are they afraid of john with just being honest about it because i'm with you that's what I bothers like. me more than anything is just just say it it you have rules that protect you from some sort of class action lawsuit from Raiders fans, if you admit your mistake, I don't know what the problem would be just saying, yeah, that's one we wish we had back.
2: Chad, like common sense tells you that, but it's called covering your butt. They always want to cover their butt, and that's what they did there. And if they're going to do that, they should do something else, not where everybody in the country, not to mention everybody watching around the world, heard that whistle before it got to the receiver for the touchdown And it just makes them look awful. You know, you're liars. You're deceivers. And it's not a big surprise. But, man, oh, man, if that's what happened in this round, you wonder what's going to happen in the next round because the next round is going to be a whole lot better and mean even more.
1: Well, the, the officials should be better in the next round. Traditionally, the Super Bowl crews are chosen from the divisional round of the playoffs. Um, so, whoever the white hats are in these four games coming up this weekend, we'll see one of them calling that game for Super Bowl Fifty Six. I want to go back to Boger. Does
0: this remain scrambled crews? Yeah, now? The, yeah, I believe it's that's an all star crew, right?
2: It, I hate that. I hate
0: too. it.
1: Yeah, and and Boger, look, there's no. It's not a coincidence that this happened in his game. I realize this isn't his crew that's in the regular season. But Jerome Bosher is is among if he's calling a game, it's going to be a it's not going to be organized.
0: He doesn't have it's command. It's going to be
1: sloppy, and and that's what happened in this game. It, there's no coincidence the fact that that he was the white hat for this game and it ended in somewhat of a, a controversy. I don't think there's much controversy around it, John, because people feel as though the Bengals are going to score that touchdown with or without the whistle. Um, I completely understand where the Raiders are coming from because the rule book is the rule book, and you're supposed to go back and redo that play if there's an inadvertent whistle in that situation. But you know, I I think more the league is more um, apt to let us know that the 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 sequence of events at the end of the Dallas game was called Correct. the proper way, and the officials got it right. They're not going to harp on Jerome Boger in this All Star crew, Paul, because it was clearly uh screwed up which which routinely happens if he is the white hat it's not going to be a uh, a clean game on the microphone you get
0: out of a weekend without a officiating controversy and it's a, yeah. a miracle and there'll be one this coming weekend
1: coming up we we discuss the Dallas Cowboys and the 49ers going on the road to big D and leaving with a road victory from the weekend We'll discuss uh, the, 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 uh, the, the chatter about Jerry Jones and Mike McCarthy and everything involved with the, the way that game finished. And we'll circle back to some of the other top storylines. Josh Allen and the Bills dismantling and, and throttling the New England Patriots on Saturday night. That and much more straight ahead with John McClain on Outkick 360. Glad you're with us across the OutKick Network. John McClain with us as well, talking the top NFL storylines from Wild Card Weekend. John, the 49ers go on the road and win against the Cowboys in a game where the Cowboys have 14 penalties. They allow five sacks. The the pressures were up. I believe uh, Prescott was pressured 20 times. Ezekiel Elliott averaged one yard before contact in this game. The battle is in the trenches, and even without two of their top stars with Bosa and Warner both getting hurt, uh, the 49ers completely dominated that Dallas offensive line. We will uh, get John uh, – hang on one second, John. Try it now. We
3: have, we have you muted. Well, not anymore. Now right. you got me. Yeah, muted. we got you. I'm sorry. sorry. Yeah. Start your answer over, John.
2: one of the things that was the most impressive about the 49ers performance was D'Amico Ryan's their first year coordinator played six years for the Texans the job he did against the NFL's number one offense high scoring offense he just did a tremendous job and you mentioned Bosa and Warner out and they still play great they dominated up front he called it great blitz He done blitz a lot, but Manny called one on that fourth down play. It caught the Cowboys totally off guard. Now The the, the 49ers offense did what it could to give this game away. Jimmy Garoppolo had that terrible interception, set up a short touchdown. But what I'm tired of is all this belly aching by the Cowboys and their fans. I thought it was despicable that Dak Prescott praised the fans for throwing bottles and other objects as the officials as they came off the field. A lot of people thought they were throwing it at the Cowboys, and because they were having to dodge it and hold up their helmet and knock them down, but it turned out as officials. And I'm guessing Prescott will apologize for that, probably get fined by the NFL because that's unlike him. He's a class guy. But the bottom line, they blew it. Mike McCarthy, Keller Moore, the offensive coordinator, Prescott, all made terrible decisions. It was cut and dried. They should know the rule. They practiced that play. They said, all the time, and he hands the ball to the center instead of the umpire, which is pretty stupid, so they got exactly what they deserve.
3: John, do you buy that uh, that Mike McCarthy is definitely back, and do you think that Kellen Moore is coming back, or is he going to land one of these NFL head coaching jobs?
2: Okay, right now, if you're talking to Kellen Moore, and of course he should be judged by his entire body of work, but he doesn't look real good right now. It's like the Texans and other teams are interested in inside linebackers coach Gerard Mayo of the Patriots, and he has a bigger role in the defensive game plan and play calling along with outside linebackers coach Steve Belichick. And that's not a good look either, considering how pathetic they were against the Bills. But I don't know if Kellen Moore is going to get another head coaching job. There's eight out there. Maybe somebody will – hiring based on what they did during the season. But, man, they looked clueless on that last play. And as far as Mike McCarthy, I think he's 18 and 16 in two years. Jerry Jones said on his radio show he'd be back. Steven Jones said on his radio show he'd be back. They didn't say, well, the season's over. We're going to evaluate everything or everybody will be judged later. We'll make an announcement later. They've already shot it down. So I'm guessing he's going to stick with McCarthy. You never know. Maybe he'd want to keep Kellen Moore or Dan Quinn so bad that he would say, hey, Mike, been nice knowing you. Here's some millions of dollars to uh, go back to Green Bay and your lake house. And nice knowing you. And then elevate one of them. Because Dan Quinn, who did a tremendous job during the season, he's in demand even more than uh, Kellen Moore.
1: Hard to deny what they accomplished in the regular season as a team and the talent that, that they've put together. John, I, I realize not everything comes down to you know trying to make it work in our own minds here, but from Jerry Jones' perspective, uh, I, I'm trying to put myself in that situation where he has been scratching and clawing to get the Cowboys back to the Super Bowl. And I, I don't know, seven of the last 11 times of the, the postseason, they've been one and done – and they haven't reached the conference championship game since 95. With all of that in mind, if I'm him, I'm thinking, okay, I'm at the age I'm at. I don't have too many more cracks at this. I mean, again, I'm just being realistic with how my approach would be. Is Mike McCarthy the dude to get me there? Like I, I would, It would not shock me if he makes and, and, and pulls the plug. The, the question I would have is, I don't know if there's just an automatic home run hire out there um, that is going to come in and immediately take them over the top because they have more issues than just that final play uh, with the penalties. They were the most penalized team in the league. Um, you know The pressure clearly got to that offense, top-scoring offense. They put up 17 points, and the pressure was mounting on that offensive line and around Prescott. What would you do? How would you think Jerry Jones is approaching this whole situation because it's a bit different than the average owner around the league?
2: Yeah, I don't think he's saying, you know, I don't have much more time now, down here in Houston. And I would never do this because I think it's preposterous. Fans are getting a big kick out, kick out of saying since 1996, the Texans have twice as many playoff victories <laughs> as the Cowboys do. And I'm not retweeting that. <laughs> and Cowboys still got all those Super Bowl trophies. But I do think this, I can't remember a time since Jimmy Johnson was there. When they have amassed the talent that they have right now, Will McClay, their head of personnel, who has turned down other general manager opportunities to stay there because they say Jerry Jones pays them millions. He just got an extension. He's the main reason they have the talent that they have now. Mike McCarthy won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. He's the only one Aaron Rodgers has won. But everybody in Dallas-Fort Worth area, not to mention Texas and all over the world, if you ask them today, would they fire Mike McCarthy? They say yes. And then you say, well, who would they hire? Dan Quinn, who's one year removed from being fired by Atlanta, or did he sit out a year? I can't even remember. And uh, and then Kellen Moore, who's never been a head coach and still likes, looks like he needs his nose rubbed by his mama when he gets a cold. I, they know him better than – they know Kellen Moore better than anybody. Mike McCarthy was supposed to call the plays when he was hired yeah. He said he was going to call the plays. About a week later, he said, oh, Kellen Moore is going to call the plays. And why do you think he did that? Because Jerry Jones made him.
3: John, at what point does Jerry Jones go back to what he knows uh, with hiring coaches? And here's what I mean by this. I think we can be too broad in general at times for discounting a coach because other coaches like them have failed. And it, now it's with the Belichick tree. Everyone's going to point to all the hires of Bill Belichick assistants that have not worked out. I look at Jerry Jones and I think, when was the last time the Cowboys were dominant and were winning Super Bowls? He hired college coaches. Jimmy Johnson, Barry Switzer. At what point does he stop looking at past NFL head coaches or NFL assistants and say, again, I'm, I'm talking very generally here, probably way too broad, but says, I'm just going to go back to college and hire someone and see if it works out. Is there any outside-the-box slash inside-the-box for Jerry Jones thinking with this where he would go to a college head coach? And if so, who is that college head coach that some NFL team is going to hire at this point?
2: He's not going to do that. He hired Jimmy Johnson because they were college teammates and best friends from Arkansas. And Jerry always told Jimmy, if I ever get an NFL team, you're the head coach I'm going to hire. And he did. And then the reason he hired Barry Switzer... Who won a Super Bowl with Jimmy players after Jimmy got tired of Jerry and and walked away, Switzer won with his players and then he was gone. So they were he's good friends with Switzer too. And I don't see any way he would go back to college football. Who knows? Maybe he'll hire Urban Meyer. What do you think?
1: He's available. Hey, De- definitely be outside the box, John. While while we're discussing um, 49ers, Cowboys, and we've we've hit a lot on the Cowboys. Your thoughts on San Francisco going on the road? Jimmy G winning again, and uh, they go to Big D, and now head to Green Bay.
2: Boy, that's going to be a tough one. You know, for, the Packers have lost the last two championship games. They're hungry to finally get back to the Super Bowl. It's kind of strange when you think Aaron Aaron. Rodgers got all these MVP awards, and yet he's only won one Super Bowl. So I think this is the year he's going to get back. I don't see the 49ers winning at Lambeau. They run the ball really well. I don't know anybody trusts Garoppolo to win at Lambeau. Based on what he's done so far, though, that draft choice before the season they're going to get for him look like a five or six. Matt could be a three or a four, and if he stuns the Packers at Lambeau, Field, maybe it'll get up to a two. Wouldn't it be funny if he won a Super Bowl? They basically have to keep him and let Trey Lance watch like Aaron Rodgers did. And uh, I think it's going to be great. I love games at Lambeau. I love games in the snow. i give wanting snow in Buffalo. It would have been the most entertaining thing on the field since the Patriots were so bad. But the Cowboys, if they make a change, I'm guessing he's going to stick with what he knows and he knows Kellen Moore better than Dan Quinn.
0: Uh, speaking of Buffalo, Josh Allen's performance against the Patriots was the best quarterback performance in the playoffs that you've seen since?
2: Oh, boy, I'd have to think about that one for a while, Paul. i tell you one thing I wish people had said. They kept saying the Bengals haven't won a playoff game since in 31 years, but they never said who they beat. Well, I was right there when they beat the Oilers and Warren Moon came off the field with a compound fracture of his thumb and the bones sticking out, and they beat the Oilers really bad, and they haven't won one since. As far as great playoff performance, Steve Young's six touchdown passes in the Super Bowl was pretty impressive, and, of course, he was the MVP. I would have to say that one.
0: How hot do you think – Mahomes also had five touchdown passes. What a lot of people just skipping right past Titans or the Bengals, and calling uh, foolishly calling KC and uh, and Buffalo AFC Championship game. I don't know about that, but awfully good quarterback matchup. Patrick Mahomes
2: have been inconsistent this season, and seeing what he did, not to mention the calls that Andy Reid was making with Travis Kelsey throwing it. A- touchdown pass with an offensive lineman catching a touchdown pass and he just opened up that bag and used it all i might have saved a little bit because it was a blowout but i tell you what it, it so much depends on derrick henry i think if he touches it 10 times they're going to win this game then you get him in shape the next week and he touch it 20 times and controlling the ball in the playoffs is so important we saw with the patriots they were exposed at the end of the year And in that playoff game, Mac Jones was fine if they were ahead or it was close, and he could throw a lot of short passes. But he's a rookie. He just wasn't ready to bring them from behind or even make it respectable. But Josh Allen and Mahomes right now are the hot quarterbacks. But sometimes in the playoffs, it's a running game that gets you to that next round, and the Titans are the best at it.
3: Hey, John, you mentioned those playoff games the Texans have won since the last time the Cowboys were, were any good. Uh, I'm curious, how many playoff games will the Texans win with head coach Hines Ward leading the Texans organization? (laughs) That was one of the strangest (laughs) announcements from a team, and it got a huge reaction where everyone did a double take and said, wait, what? Hines Ward interviewed for the head coaching job for the Texans. What do you know about that interview, and does Hines Ward have a chance?
2: Absolutely not. (laughs) He's in his first season as a receivers coach at Florida Atlantic. And he was an offensive assistant for two years with the Jets. And as you guys know, he's very well respected. I'm guessing that uh, Nick Casario, the general manager, did that as a favor to an agent, or maybe he's friends with Hines Ward to get his name out there. Because I'll bet you Hines Ward ends up being an assistant coach in the NFL next year. Can't be wanting to stay at Florida Atlantic. And maybe by generating a little attention like that, might help him get a little recognition as a position coach.
1: John, there's uh, I know Flores uh, interviewed, and there is now a report from Jordan Schultz, formerly of Yahoo, I believe, who says that he Flores and Deshaun Watson are in close contact throughout this process. Do you believe wherever Flores lands, Watson's going there because of their connection to Miami? <laughs>
2: uh, that's preposterous. Because number one, if they're talking, it's illegal. They should file tampering charges. Uh, wherever he ends up, I think he's going to end up here. And Sean Watson ain't taking another snap here. It's amazing to me on social media and people in the media who you think be responsible would think the Texans would take back Watson or Watson want to come back here. As I wrote today, that ship has sailed so long ago, you can't even see it on the horizon. So, John,
3: you think Brian Flores is the Patriots connection that's going to be hired in Houston?
2: They're interviewing a lot of guys without Patriot Connections because we're all saying they're going to hire somebody with Patriot Connections. Nick Casario in his 20 years with the Patriots, worked for 15 with Brian Flores in scouting and coaching. Jack Easterby, you better have a head coach here who doesn't mind Jack Easterby, knows nothing about personnel, trying to get involved in personnel in every decision, looking over one shoulder and Casario and another. And a guy from the Patriots is the only one who would understand that arrangement also know what strong will coach is going to come in here and say the GM can run around and be a coach at practice and throw passes and instruct players and then be on the headset communicating with him during games. Now he did that in new England for years and he's doing it here, but you better be ready for it. And a guy like Flores or Gerard Mayo or Brian Dayball, there's like five coordinators uh, or a head coach like Flores, who were with the Patriots for years and understand how Casario operates. That's why I'm sure it's going to be somebody from a New England background. And the one who hasn't been mentioned is Josh McDaniels, even though he and Casario go back to college where they were teammates at John Carroll University.
1: Well, Paul, give your theory on McDaniels. Yeah,
0: I, I was thinking uh, that it must be McDaniels because they fired Tim Kelly as well as Cully. So you're clearing out the offensive coordinator post as well. You're going to have a play caller who's going to be your new head coach. Why why Kelly, uh, if it's not going to be somebody like that, why not leave people in place for the head coach to fire?
2: The only reason I kept Tim Kelly was because of his relationship with Watson. That was Casario's decision. David Culley agreed to whatever he wanted to do. And Casario's a guy that hires the coaches. Remember back when Floyd Reese uh, hired, fired the coaches? for the Titans till Jeff Fisher got it put in his contract in 99 that he had control of his coaches. Floyd went ballistic. Well, in this case, Casario is in charge and any coach coming in here has got to realize that I've known Kelly's gone all year. It's funny, isn't it? When he had Watson a year ago, they won four games, but Watson was fantastic. And nobody was complaining about Kelly and he did a really good job working with Davis Mills. Now he's out of a job.
1: John Rich Passaccia, is he getting the job with, with the Vegas Raiders or are they hiring someone else? They, they say they're going through the full gauntlet of, of coaching interviews, but to me, everything that Passaccia inherited from the John Gruden emails on, from the Henry Ruggs fatal crash, uh, the Arnett. Damon Arnett gun video, they lost five of six during a stretch run and then made the playoffs. Darren Waller was hurt. Kenyon Drake was hurt. Uh, Nate Hobbs, another player, had a DUI right before week 18. And I mean, it's just been an incredible job by he and his staff. And I'm not sure that they're going to make the move and make him the head coach.
2: Well, first of all, they owe it to themselves, the players, the fans, sponsors, and everybody to conduct the search. And he's the first interim coach to take a team to the playoffs in like 50 or 60 years. And he's not going anywhere, nobody else is going to hire him you know, maybe Mark Davis thinks he can get Jim Harbaugh and maybe uh, he's got some other home run out there. He thinks he wants to get it. Look good in Vegas. Derek Carr and the players came out and supported Sancho and and, uh, he deserves to be interviewed. looks like Mike Mayotte has escaped the guillotine and he's going to be back as general manager, even though when Gruden was there, Gruden had final say on all personnel. Any strong new coach is going to say, I want final say on personnel and if it was Harbaugh he would get it if it was Besatia then Mayock would get it and uh, so that's an intriguing possibility because it's a playoff team it has a lot of pieces in place and if I'm a head coaching prospect that's somewhere I am seriously checking out
1: a couple things on the way out um, first your, your thoughts on Ben Roethlisberger playing his final game as NFL quarterback and what you think of when you think of Big Ben's career
2: I think a big band coming in out of Miami of Ohio in 2004, great draft in the first round for quarterbacks like Eli Manning, Ben and uh, Phillip Rivers, and there was one more. can't even remember who it was. And then the punishment he withstood because he was a runner. Then he had problems off the field with sexual assault. Then he got his life in order and never had a losing record. And nobody expected him to go out with a win, but he can say he never had a losing record. And I'm pretty sure Paul and I at some point will vote for him for the Hall of Fame. But uh, now, the fact that he's not there, what are the Steelers going to do? If I'm a quarterback, I want to go to Pittsburgh.
1: And you mentioned the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You and Paul will be in the the virtual room tomorrow uh, as you select the latest class that will be inducted this August. Give us a preview of what, what's in store for you guys tomorrow.
2: All I know is I'm promoting – presenting Andre Johnson, and I'm last. Usually that's kind of a kiss of death to go last. (laughs) I may sound an air horn to make sure Paul and others (laughs) are still awake by the time I make my presentation. We can only have five minutes, and then when you're through with that presentation, others speak up, and I think Andre Johnson deserves it. The competition's Reggie Wayne and Torrey Holt, the wide receiver, and they're deserving too. It's always a fascinating, rewarding day. It's just a bummer the way they do it now, and we don't have an idea who's going to make it like we used to.
0: That is a tough slot. So uh, they draw positions kind of on a rotating basis annually. Receiver going last. And who are the other receivers? Torrey Holt, he misses by two letters at least. Not going. It's alphabetical by position, so he really misses out there just by two letters.
1: Which position is heavily dominated uh, this year? I know there's two offensive linemen. With Baselli and Anderson, is there? Uh, it, it sounds like wide receivers well rep, repped here.
2: There's three wide receivers, and I believe there were seven who made the final 25 semifinalists. Competition's going to be intense. Like Reggie Wayne's going to be promoted by Bill Polian and Tony Dungy, yeah, who, who drafted him and coached him. Heavy then defensive then old,
0: defensive yeah. line presence. Jared Allen, Richard Seymour, DeMarcus Ware, Patrick Willis, Bryant, Young.
2: I believe the one that has the best chance of all the players would be DeMarcus Ware, who's one of the best pass rushers in history.
0: I think uh, the one who's got the biggest hold over presence is probably Tony Baselli
1: From past years, you're well, saying?
2: He's a six, six- or seven-time finalist, and he'd been in a long time ago if he played a few more years, and I think he's certainly deserving.
1: Follow John on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. John, thank you as always. We will catch up next week. Enjoy the divisional round, and hope you and Paul have a great day tomorrow. See you
2: tomorrow. Jonathan, Paul, and Chad Lake, thank you very much as always, and good luck to Mike Vrabel and the tight.
1: Thanks, John. There's John McClain there with uh, his take on the NFL headlines. Coming up, we'll give a standing ovation to some top performers from the NFL weekend on OutKick 360. Time for our top performers from the NFL weekend. OutKick 360 rolls on. It starts with Josh Allen, who was fantastic. He, he won the weekend. Uh, not just the Bills, but, man, he was, uh, he was on fire against the Patriots' defense. No stopping him. And guys, uh, just based on the uh, the possessions, they end in touchdowns, except for the final one where they're kneeling it out. And Mitchell Trubisky's actually the quarterback taking the knees in that game and not Josh Allen. What that, a game he had. Yeah, I know. Uh, the fact that we saw Trubisky and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't due to injury is crazy. That's how good Allen was. And I'm, I'm not sure if he can play much better than the efficient offense that we saw and that saw him lead in this game. But... They would have won against any team in the NFL on Saturday. The Bills would have won that matchup. That's how good he was.
3: Yeah, I'm going to stay with the Bills. Dawson Knox, uh, former Brentwood Academy Eagle and uh, Ole Miss Rebel, those two touchdowns in the first one, uh, next-gen stats had that at about 18% that that was going to be complete, where Josh Allen admitted he was trying to throw the ball away. And Dawson Knox made a terrific play in the back of the end zone for the Bills' first touchdown and then scored their second touchdown also, 89 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, I thought he was big for the Bills. I mean, you could pick a handful of guys. The Micah Hyde interception was another one that was spectacular uh, for Buffalo. But I'm going to go with Dawson Knox of the Bills.
0: It's funny. The Micah Hyde interception you feel like is a game-turning moment for a little while. (laughs) And then when things get so out of hand, you're like, (laughs) yeah, that was a great interception, but it was not a game-turning moment because there was no game to be turned. Uh, it's hard to go away from Patrick Mahomes here either um, because – but for uh, Allen's performance, we would all be talking about Mahomes' performance. And like you said, what was the time span? It was inside 10 minutes. It was 10 and a
1: half minutes total it, off yeah, the clock. he
0: just uh, went berserk. Um, so another outstanding quarterback performance, and it's going to be very fun to watch these guys go head-to-head uh, at Arrowhead this weekend.
1: I should mention a couple of other guys. Um, Travis Kelsey – in that he became the first
0: long striding chair. Ch- the long cause.
1: striding. Uh, and let me get this right. I said
0: earlier on, on the touchdown where Mahomes was moving with him, I felt like he wasn't going very fast. And Chad said, It's the long striding thing that gets
3: a It's an optical illusion, is what it is.
1: There's also with him, there's a composure element of his game where he was, it felt like, you know, we were mentioning how long it felt like Burrow and Allen had to throw the football. On his touchdown pass, on Kelsey's touchdown pass, where that was the sixth touchdown of the game, he became the first player in postseason history to throw a touchdown, catch a touchdown, and then record 100 or more receiving yards. So he joins uh, a list of one, and he's the guy. Um, by the way, another guy who's done that was Marcus Mariota in the wildcard playoff game against uh, Kansas City. His but
0: catch was a little odd.
1: Crazy. Um, Cause but crazy. But going back to Kelsey, master. he 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 has the patience to like wait for hill to break open in the back of the end zone i believe it was hill he threw it to and and who broke open and and not force it or not try to just run it in whenever that play is slow to develop it was a fast a fast quick slant but he hesitated just briefly and it it, the defensive linemen who were jumping actually were coming back down to the ground and that allowed kelsey just to dump it right over the top it was it, it just shows great composure for a play where you're Probably doing that one time, and that's it. Um, throughout the the postseason span, throughout a maybe a career. Um, also, Tom Brady, who again just shows up and performs, and every time he shows out this time of year, you're thinking, okay, maybe we've we've counted them out too too heavily, because Brady, and and then more importantly, the the Bucks defense was back at it against a uh, uh, a hobbled and and poor. Philadelphia offense, I know uh, Hertz left that game in a walking boot, but they couldn't run it. You stop the run, they're done, and the Bucs got up early, and, and that was all she wrote. Finally, uh, for the moment, and I know the stats don't jump out at you, but for the moment, uh, and what represented on, on Saturday, Joe Burrow. He's from Ohio. He's the Cincinnati Bengals quarterback. He's the undoubtedly number one overall pick coming out of college for what he did in his final year at LSU, and the debate was: Would you rather be the Bengals quarterback or the Jags quarterback? Because the Jags, just two years prior, had gone to the AFC Championship game, and the Bengals held that pick and went with Burrow. And you're thinking, oh, that's this is a this is the death knell. You know, Carson Palmer went there, and uh, you know Eventually, we never heard from him again. Way out. Yeah. Well, here's Burrow, who's back in his home state, and brings the Bengals in year number two, coming off an ACL back to the postseason, and then winning a game for the first time since 1991 where everybody in the city received a game ball from Zach Taylor. After Zach the game.
0: Taylor went to a bar. Did you see yes. the video? He passed his bar every day on his way home. And he went with uh, the punter or somebody on special teams and actually made a little speech in front of the people drinking in this bar, celebrating, and threw it to the bartenders. Terrific moment. While we're at it, let's flip this on its head. And... Uh, to, to the state of Pennsylvania, you, you just sucked. Pittsburgh and Philadelphia—they just sucked. They—they're not in the class of the rest of the teams in the playoffs. And
3: it's not a good. Uh, I'll say this it, it, because we're going to try to take a you know this thing where all right, well now it was bad, so it's always going to be bad. No, but last the two year the Bears seeds, were bad. The Colts gave yes, the Bills a hell of a game. The two seven seeds were bad in year one. Doesn't mean they're always going to be two, bad. There's going to be Year two.
0: So last year the Colts yeah, were yeah, good. Sorry, sorry. They yeah. took the Bills in year two, to, but to a field goal. And that's and my the point. Is Bears like this sucked.
3: This was with the Super Wild Card weekend. It was it was awful with those two teams. Um, well, but, the games to, but top to bottom weren't that great. Yeah, no. but we're going to be in a two situation where a year from now five. they're all going to be. You know, we're going to have some seven seed beat a two seed and be talking about Hopefully. how this is the depth of the NFL and how great it is top to bottom. Hopefully, got a long way to go. But from, it, it was from it what was not a great weekend for games. No. I mean,
1: every playoff game had a 14 or more point differential at one point or another uh, this weekend. Every game at one point looked like a blowout.
0: Hopefully tonight is uh, is better, and we end on a high note.
1: We'll preview that game coming up in 35 minutes. Uh, Paul, speaking of uh, the Rams hosting the Cardinals uh, for their third matchup of the year. Coming back, we'll give the very latest on what Mike Vrabel had to say on the Tennessee Titans, the number one seed, getting the week off, and now they'll host... The Cincinnati Bengals this coming Saturday will roll through the divisional schedule, and then at 3:20, or excuse me, at 4:20 Central, 5:20 Eastern. Paul has a couple of things to watch for this week from the Titans' perspective as they begin preparation for the Bengals in round number two of the postseason. Hang with us. Outkick 360 rolls on.